here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Shake them ropes. Jeff Hawkins here. And through the glory of Skype, Chris Novembrino. Uh, Chris, we're having computer problems, huh? Yeah, we are having computer problems. The computer that makes all of the don't worry about the governments and shake them ropes is is not cooperating with old Chris. And so if you want to sign up for the shake them ropes Patreon, now's <laughs> as good a week as any. Just saying. Also... PayPal.me slash PayDWATG, it all goes to the same place, getting you the podcast on a higher quality than my cell phone. It's lame being on only your cell phone, Jeff. This is, this is not not a fun time. Do, do we want to talk about what happened or no? I don't really know. I, I, yeah, I, sure. Why not? Why not? Okay, no, because maybe it can be a teaching moment for other people. All right. So let me ask you a question, dear listener. How do you clean your computer screen? Perhaps you are like your pal Novi, who has to clean his computer screen on a regular basis and, you know, a little spritz of Windex, right? A little spritz of Windex. <laughs> no. It's worked before. It's worked just <laughs> fine for you before. It won't always, though. So don't do that. What happened to your pal is I did a little spritz of Windex. And just a teensy tiny little drop managed to get behind the not fully sealed crack on the screen or whatever. I, I mean, I can't visually find this crack on the screen, but it's apparently there because the Windex got on the other side of it. So the screen's gone. And then unrelated to that, but was a nagging problem that was actually affecting us. And you might have heard it on past episodes occasionally. I edited around it pretty well. But uh, my fan on my computer was starting to burn out. So that that's just a thing that happens when you use the computer as much as I do. So all of those repairs need to get done. You're probably pricing them out in your head right now and going, oh, that sucks. Yeah, hey, so, you know, paypal.me slash paydwatg, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. We are doing premium content and there will be more of that the sooner I have my computer back because it is hard doing work. With just a cell phone. And I, uh, for the Patreon listeners, I did record about a half hour worth of audio. Uh, we had planned to do a show, and then this happened. Yeah. Um, so basically yeah. what I did was I kind of said, okay, if I'm in AEW shoes, how do I build a federation? And I kind of did a little bit, it wasn't fantasy booking, but just kind of like a bare bones, what are my goals in terms of casting talent and and what do i kind of want and you know what are some internal rules for logic that uh one might need to run a federation because god knows chris the wwe has no internal logic it i, I monday was my birthday i spent my birthday deconstructing raw for fightful and i wanted to then slam my head through a door i just I I watched this. I've been watching the outside news on Twitter, and I 
came very close to just quitting all wrestling commentary. It's hard right now. That show on Monday night, I was up late watching it, knowing full well, like, the technical difficulties and everything I was going to have to deal with here this week. And I was just like, my God, this is a long show. And it wasn't even necessarily always bad or unwatchable. It's just a slog. So even when it's okay by the end of it, you're just ready for it to be over. Well, I'll give you an example. Like, it started with two tag team matches, and both tag team matches were pretty much the same style of tag team match, and you're kind of like, eh, I've already seen this already. Um, no, but uh, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you some news, and then, and then we'll get into it. Uh, yeah, Jeff has to walk me through match by match this week, because, again, I am on a phone, so I'm going to hear about these matches and react to them. I've seen these matches, so it's, it's not as though I haven't watched them, but I, I don't have any list in front of me or any notes this week. Jeff, this is horrible. I have to rely purely on my own brain. We're in real trouble. That makes two of us. Um, <laughs> uh, oddly enough, uh, ratings are down for Raw, down to a non-holiday low. Um, I guess That's when you... It's hard to imagine. I, I, why <laughs> would... I... Wait, don't all these people have wrestling podcasts where they have to watch all three hours? Well, according to Sami Zayn, yes, and that was your third hour starter, was yelling at the audience or being too critical, which, I don't know, I just, I'm... It's a bold move, to, it's a bold move. It's a move, Cotton, let's see if it works. <laughs> um, There's a report from Ringside News that the WWE has ordered all talent to give social media accounts and their passwords to the company. I don't know if that's true, but if it is, I'd tell them to go kick rocks. Um, Yeah, that sounds absolutely horrible. All social media accounts, even like personal ones? Mm, Well, yes, because they don't they probably don't want you talking about the company on your personal account either. That's draconian. Uh, the company has extended Dash Wilder's contract three months due to injury time. I'm, uh... <laughs> They're playing hardball now. Oh, they are they? Because be you could tell on Raw. You could tell on Raw they were going to play a little bit of hardball. So let's get into it. Uh, we start with the uh, show opening with Alexa Bliss announcing the Raw Money in the Bank ladder match entrance. Braun Strowman... Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Ricochet. Uh, Chris, what was Ricochet doing last week on Raw? Oh, no. This is a good little quiz. What was Ricochet doing last week on Raw? I want to say he was in a tag match. Uh, that would be incorrect. No, Ricochet, Ricochet was losing clean to Bobby Roode. Oh, yeah, that's right. That did happen. And what? Uh, and now he's out Where here. Where was Bobby Roode? Bobby Roode was not on Raw this week. Oh, and not only that. Okay, I all right, all right. That, now, now I understand why I have no memory of what Ricochet did last week. That's a that honestly, Jeff. That's a great exercise in just is this writing coherent? Because I should be able to look at what happened this week and very easily backwards track what happened last week. Like that shouldn't have been an exercise. I got a lot of heat this morning because I wrote. Because on on the Fightful show, I I said, well, just imagine if you watch Game of Thrones and some guy died 
on the previous episode. And then and all you have s- no memory of it the next week. Well, not just that. The next week he shows up and goes, hey, ready to fight some dragons. And <laughs> as if nothing happened. That's what this show is. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm floored by it because it's one of those things where now he's coming out and he has a money in the bank title opportunity. And nobody can tell you how he earned it other than the company picked him probably because he'll be able to do some cool spots and get hit through a ladder or get hit with an RKO. And what a strange match that tag team match was. It just had very weird energy. And then at the end of the match, when Braun Strowman and Ricochet are posing and gesturing to the crowd, Ricochet kept turning his back to Braun Strowman, which even though Strowman didn't attack him, I think we're so cute to, as wrestling fans, to assume that when you turn your back, especially on someone who is going to be a future opponent, it's just generally a bad idea that I thought even that little blocking choice, that minor blocking choice, was actually damaging to Ricochet. I think all of this is damaging to all the guys in and the women in the Money in the Bank title match. I, I hate having... I'll push back against you. Baron Corbin can't be damaged because he's already super damaged. Well, you watch. He'll lose the most, and he'll probably end up winning this briefcase. Because that's how oh, they God. do it. Yeah, no, and they have a thing for this guy. What is his entrance attire? Does he actually have a shirt that goes over his other shirt? Is he doing that? He's doing two collared shirts? Is he? I, I didn't really notice. I, I was saying about the uh, the vest where he looked like a uh, bartender at TGI Fridays or something yeah, like that. Yeah, well, he, he has like a little moniker thing on, uh, I think it's the left side, right, the little bottom there. Like, so, something's going on there, a little monogram of some sort. Uh, well, yeah. any, anyways, you know, the singles and, and doubles and six-man tags that are combinations of all these guys fighting each other to lead up to a match where all these guys are going to fight each other. I I, I think it, it makes, overexposes yes. all of these people, and what you need going into a match like Money in the Bank is little nothing matches to stitch together a couple of weeks and then have this tag team match the week before we go into the actual pay-per-view or maybe two weeks out. I, I, I don't know, but like one or two weeks out, we have one little tease of what it's going to look like when all these guys are together, but you can't do this and then tell three more chapters after this, not for money in the bank. Well, we'll probably have like uh promos on ladders talking to each other or staring at luggage hanging from the sky uh, you know, the usual tropes, <laughs> and they'll wonder why the ratings are going down. Um, after that, the Usos defeated Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Uh, the superstar shakeup continues, as these two have been moved over to Raw. They have a stronger-than-usual showing, but they still lose, which, in their mind, probably builds them up. And then we get something that we are told uh, the Usos were going to debut. It turned out to be a video of Dash Wilder shaving Scott Dawson's back. Oh, Boy, so, I mean, the match with the Good Brothers, look, I I mean, Gallows and Anderson, aren't they also people who are kind of stuck on Extension Island right now? Um, I believe so, yes. Yeah, so, I I mean, you kind of see the treatment there, and the Usos are trying to show respect or whatever after that match. And then we get to the revival, and you you want to talk about, like, retrograde. We've had issues last week with Becky Lynch and uh, Lacey Evans, not Charlotte, 
Lacey Evans and their little promo exchange. I mean, this obviously traded in homoeroticism, homophobia, yes. classic tropes about, oh, what goes on in locker rooms. Uh, and I think beyond making fun of the revival, which I think you've probably already opined on at least once and are probably going to hit again here, I think it goes one step further, Jeff, and I think it makes a mockery out of tag team wrestling, to be completely honest. It makes a whole mockery out of the idea that you would have a partner of the same sex that you work hard with and you train with and you care about that person's interest because you have a career path with that person and it's like a camaraderie to like reduce that down to kind of classic 1980s paranoid oh, like the genius lanny poffo the genius level homoeroticism i think is i don't know it's vince showing who vince is um wow you hit a couple points i was gonna go into there uh definitely homophobia i thought uh without going into it so you could toe that line to say no we weren't really doing that um, I think you are. But why are the Usos giggling, right? Exactly. Exactly. It, it, you know what? I, I would have died if they had just gone off script and turned and goes, it's a cosmetic business. And it just kept going. Yeah, no, actually, it would have been funny if Jimmy was like, well, yo, Usos, I help you wax. And Jay was like, oh, come on, man. Come on, man. And then they go, yeah, cosmetic business. Cosmetic business. Wait, who like, am that I? That actually would have been funny. Am I Dutch man tell? Am I supposed to go out there? <laughs> Here's suit and everything. No, you're supposed to do that. Um, I think you're exactly right. It's also a shot at tag team wrestling. And one of the ironic things is when they said to give it three months, when they asked for their release, oh, we're going to put another emphasis on tag team wrestling. If you care about tag team wrestling, you're clowned out of this promotion because Vince doesn't care about tag team wrestling anymore. He thinks it's it's just a... Uh, he he watches tag teams and he goes, "Who's the, why would a man want a team with another man? Who's men the are single star? To crush other men. Yeah, it's who's alpha the, dogs and who's a beta? Yeah, who's the single star? Which is yeah, yeah, it's who's Sean and who's Marty. I I think that has been Vince's perma lens for tag teams, and, and you can even see that through line starting as early as the New Age Outlaws. He oh. wanted to make either Road Dog or Billy the single star, so you get the one Billy gun." But the reality is, is the New Age Outlaws, you make them a tag team because neither of them are complete units. And that was the whole point. It's so weird to me because one of my favorite times in WWF was that 85 to 89 run where they had all those great tag teams like the Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation and Demolition. Even the Natural Disasters when, like, those guys were pretty healthy. Like, those guys could go. They could do some pretty cool stuff. The Brain Busters, you know, you had the Killer Bees, you had the Orient Express, the Rockers. I mean, you had a healthy tag team division that carried, like, a B tour. And then all of a sudden, you just lost all interest in it in terms of marketing. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm inclined to agree that uh, it was a bit of a shot at, uh, at at tag team wrestling. Also a shot at the revival for taking it way too seriously. I'm... I'm uh, I'm despondent because these guys are my kind of team and there's no real territory for them as yet. Um, we'll see what AEW does with tag team wrestling. I have, I have some, uh, some concerns. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, I understand that, but if you're the revival, I think, you know, the writing is on the wall. They need to either be looking at what's going on in New Japan or what's going on in AEW. It, it, it's time to be looking elsewhere because, 
this is how it's going to go. And yeah, unfortunately, that three months extension, it looks like it's really just been kind of a rib on the revival. Speaking of ribs, I am almost certain that all the talk about Bobby Lashley as he was walking to the ring was a rib on Leo Rush, who was not there this week. Or not on TV, at least. Um, what did they say as Lashley was walking to the ring? Uh, well, look, he, ca- he carries himself like a star. Man, he has a lot of... Uh, he's he's really kind of full of himself when he walks around backstage, et cetera, et cetera. Those types of... Uh, uh okay okay sure sure no that makes more sense now absolutely so uh biz tv turns into a match and shane mcmahon shows up on raw because we need him on both shows um you you know what i'm gonna speak in mild defense of this version of a distraction finish i at least found this narratively satisfactory and it didn't result in the miz having stupid baby face syndrome at the end it took multiple passes, almost comically, uh, too many passes even, to get The Miz to finally be distracted enough for Bobby Lashley to get the victory. So I, I like that versus the person's theme song hits and they're standing at the top of the ramp. And that is enough to pull a professional wrestler completely out of the match that they're in. So, I, I mean, for that, I'll at least give them credit, because clearly someone thought about those beats. I was fine with this angle ending with that beatdown on Raw, Miz bleeding, standing aloft, but no, we're going to get a cage match now with uh, Shane and the Miz. Okay. Viking Raiders defeated the Lucha House Party. Pretty good squash. They didn't do anything to change the Vikings this this week. I'm. It, it's a start. Yeah, it's fine. It's still obviously a step down from the War Raiders, but it is what it is, and I think we just have to run with it. Eric and Ivar are just nails on a chalkboard names, though. They're very weak. Alexa Bliss announced the other Raw competitors for the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Naomi, Natalia, Dana Brooke, and Alexa Bliss. All of them argued that none of the others deserved it. Naomi then challenged Alexa Bliss to a match, to which Alexa says, I don't even have the right shoes on. And then we had a match where her shoes kept coming untied. You see, what's great about the WWE, Jeff, is you get drama, you get horror, like with Braywee's Playhouse, you get slapstick comedy. This is a show that actually manages to just cover all of the bases. And if I could put the whimsy on a scale from one to whimsical, I would probably give this match four stars, very whimsical, because it was just a delight to watch Alexa struggle to tie her shoes throughout the match. A grown adult unable to figure out how to tie laces and then duck them into their shoes. It just brought a smile to my face. A referee referee who starts a match with the shoes untied as opposed to having her lace up so she can protect herself. That's so silly. I like that. That's great. Jeff, why are you looking at logic and things like that when you should just turn off your brain and enjoy yourself? Which is why Jeff tweeted the old Variety article about the... uh, for your consideration thing that the WWE had right down the street from where Jeff lives so that they could win an Emmy. for They want Emmys. They want Emmys for this writing. Mm -hmm. And so it is getting graded, and we may sound like jerks at times, but Jeff's a writer. I review 
All in the Family, which is a critically acclaimed, like, I know what good television writing is. I, I would at least put it at that level. This is not that. It just isn't. Now, we need to talk about this, because this is interesting. This was the second episode of the Firefly Funhouse. Bray Wyatt. This took some interesting turns. I thought this was kind of a rich text when I was watching it again on Tuesday night here. Chris, I'm in. I am in yeah, on I this. Because I, we said we had to wait a week to see if it was a rib or if they're going somewhere with this. I I like the gradual continue to go darker and darker and darker. If he kills a child, I will be the happiest I've ever been, but I don't think that's going to happen. On the other hand... No, I don't think that's where we're going, but no, we're no, clearly no. going back into Bray's history. And so this is not a full break. It's a break from that Hawaiian-shirted, know-what-I-mean uh, Bray Wyatt of four or five years ago. But what we have now is a guy who's still got those feelings repressed. I mean, talking about the painting, how the painting's the vehicle for getting at suppressed feelings. So that's clearly what Bray Wee is doing at this point. He's suppressing feelings. He's suppressing those Bray Wyatt urges. And then the painting, man, that was fun, wasn't it? It took me a second to go like, okay, burning house. Oh, that's when Brandy burned the compound mm -hmm. and Sister Abigail is in there. And now I'm like, okay, I... I feel like I'm a step closer, but I still don't quite know what the mystery is. And I like this. I like this so far. Chapter two, I'm on board with. I think it's all taking place in his subconscious, and it's a war for his mind that's going on oh, right now. Oh, I like that. I, I like would that love that more. move. You know, you have the buzzard puppet. I am convinced that this new puppet that they introduced, this rabbit, look at that thing again. It looks like a rabbit ha head stuck onto something else. So I think it's going to be a reveal of some sort. Cause it, Interesting. And, and rambling it, rabbit. Yes. I thought rambling was a weird word choice for the rabbit, too. I mean, I kind of get the uh, consonants there that's going on, but there's something else going on. I there like the too. ideas that the puppets are driving him mad. <laughs> you know, especially the it's, it's, it's they don't call her Sister Abigail. What's the name of the female puppet? No, it's Abigail the Witch. Oh, is it? Okay, so it is Sister Abigail. Okay, so yeah. No, so... no, it's not Sister Abigail, though. It's it's different. It's like she's Abby. Um, so, it, it, But I do like this idea that it's all going on in Bray's mind because we've been trying to figure out how do you port this back into the real world, and the answer is if it's all happening in his mind, you never have to. You right. can literally have all these, which is delicious. You can now have all these metaphorical... Pee Wee's Playhouse style plays happening in Bray Wyatt's mind as he is going from match to match, feud to feud. And as I'm saying this out loud, I am terrified that the writing team and the editing choices at WWE is not going to keep this consistent enough. But what you have here with the Playhouse is a vehicle to have him abstracting everything that's happening into reality and get us into the twisted world of Bray Wyatt. And I really like that if that's where they're doing it. Someone, someone in production really likes this because they're playing this on both shows. Yes, that that's also true. That and it was unnecessary to play this on both shows, uh, unless you're saying, "Hey, we need to fill some time this week on SmackDown. What can we put in there?" Or we don't know which which show we're gonna put them on. <laughs> that's uh, also true. Becky Lynch came down, cut a promo about facing both Charlotte and Lacey in separate matches, and then they had a pull apart brawl with Lacey. I liked the brawl with Lacey. 
I, I liked the, the brawl. With the Blade. dialogue didn't do much yeah. for me, but the physicalness of that, it, even even if look, Lacey Evans has some ridiculous gear. That I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. But the physicality of, I mean, it's almost like it it belies a certain viciousness in her physicality because of the military background. But man, her and Becky can throw hands at each other uh, every week. And I her fine gear would be fine if they just brought her back to military pinup. Mm-hmm. What they needed to make her is just yeah, tough bombshell, badass bombshell. And the Southern Belle thing, I think, sort of was a Sassy. step in the wrong direction. <laughs> and you brought the upstairs, downstairs, sort of, you know, that element of it, which is interesting. But, man, just having her be an ex-military hard-ass, wants to beat up Becky Lynch because this woman has never taken crap from anyone. She's not going to take crap from Becky Two Bell. She didn't care. Like, that that's enough for me. Yeah, Becky, uh, again, with the... um implication that that Lacey Evans is backstage currying favor which uh it's it's a part of the angle I want to get rid of I, I think it's it's bad it's an unnecessary part of the angle and it's not getting paid off in any way I think the worst part about it is that it's just a thing she's alluding to and it's not actually happening backstage so it almost reads as just an insinuation Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins beat the revival. I'm sure Vince popped like mad when the shave your back chance came up. This is going to be a thing now. And I'm telling you something, the revival can't survive this because they have not been built up credibly enough. When you had guys, look, you can have one of these goofy type of sketches. They're not meant to survive this. I know, but when you have, I mean, like, in in history, we had things like Ric Flair going to a hotel room to hopefully bed Precious, and it turns out Ronnie Garvin in drag then knocks him out. But you had built up Ric Flair as the champ. I mean, he he could survive this kind of stupidity. You know, Jimmy Garvin, you know, basically working on the farm and having to slog around for humiliation for, uh, who was, oh, it was uh, Kevin Von Erich, I think. I can't remember which one. Uh, Or, yeah. He could survive humiliation like this because we wanted to see the heels get humiliated like that. This is more meta commentary than any character type of choice. So I think I think the shave your back chants are here to stay, unfortunately, unless they get booed down by like a Philly type crowd. You know where it might get cut off is I noticed in the main event match the shave your back chance showed back up. And if they become a proxy for this is crap, I think Vince might regret introducing mm. shave your back as a chance. Well, I don't think he introduced it. I think it just happened. Um, well, he introduced it or they introduced it by creating a skit about shaving backs. And, and I kind of think the shave your back is a little bit of a, I mean, it's hard to read the chance of a crowd, but I sort of think the reason that latched on with people was not because they thought it was so delightfully funny, but I think kind of almost as a screw this sort of chant. I think that's why you say shave your back. Yeah, Ryder and Hawkins uh, get very little out of this, even though they get a pin with a crucifix because basically the revival took most of this. It's a pin with a crucifix, you know? I mean, it's not even a real, it's not a solid win even. Uh, Sami Zayn yelled at the crowd. Kind of went over it. I love Sammy. I love his delivery. I don't think this should be in the third hour. And for me, it feels a little bit too much like Vince talking to the audience. 
Yeah, and I don't know that I feel more like I really want to see Sammy get his butt kicked. I mean, that's the other part of it. Is it feels like Vince talking to the audience, and it's hard to imagine what the baby face that stands in contrast of this, who's actually cool, sounds like. Yeah, who are you going to send out there? Sasha Banks? Like, yeah, I kind of hate WWE, too. <laughs> Or you send out John Cena, who stands bigger and taller than Sami Zayn, and then you have an underdog scenario. So, I mean, I will not have you. I will not have you bad mouthing this company that's given me everything. Yeah, the palette gets really limited. I I mean, Rey Mysterio is currently tied up with the Samoa Joe angle, so like Rey would be an okay option for Sami if he was available, but he's not. So I, I just I'm very confused what this is building to, and I, I have concerns that it's not going to be particularly satisfying. Uh, Rey Mysterio defeated Samoa Joe. So we've just decided, after beating Rey Mysterio in a minute and a half, we're going to go back to before WrestleMania, and we're going to do the angle over again. I love how way large his kid is in context to him. <laughs> it's so funny to me. And I know that it's just like basic biology and sort of the odds of things, but it is hilarious how much larger Dominic is than Ray. And then to end it, we had a contract signing, and uh, I just thought this was a little too too ham-fisted for their first kind of meeting, and not a lot of places. Where do you go from here? Right? I'll tell you, you where had... you go. I know okay. where you, I know where they go. They go into well, we're going to book you two in a tag team match, and then they can't get yeah, along of course, because one of gets course. hit, and you know that kind of thing. But they already established that AJ's willing to go heel on this. So, like, the problem to me is not that AJ is teasing, that he is going to do ruthless things. Although it is a very obvious storyline. It's a little hack. This is WWE. This is Seth Rollins' first title defense coming into Money in the Bank. I'm willing to accept a little bit of hack in my plot here. My problem with it is... Basically, AJ already showed his cards, so what you're saying is probably right. Next week, they are going to be in a tag team match together. And I think, barring the introduction of some sort of stipulation, like if you guys don't find a way to work together, there will be some sort of penalty in your match. I think that it's going to be hard to get this two more weeks and kind of not lose a lot of steam as we go into Money in the Bank. Exactly. They need to earn this. And to me... If you're going to have this kind of contract signing right now, just have two very confident people in, who are confident in themselves exchanging maybe a couple of passive-aggressive barbs at the other, but nothing too over the top. Nobody has to go heel here. We just have two guys who are champs, who are very talented, who think they can beat the other guy. And then you build from there as opposed to having the knockdown drag out on the first week. Because And then the next thing is you would also wait on doing the contract signing until the week before you go home. I don't actually see a point of doing the contract signing this week. I, I don't have a problem with it, but, it, I mean, it's a trope that, you know, er, you know, it always <laughs> – I mean, by this time we know what contract signings are. There's nothing really different to do in them. And it's all downhill after the contract signing. That, that's my problem. Okay. I, I don't have a problem with them signing the contract. It's just unless you're – like okay, so now they've actually locked in the terms of the match too, which makes it hard to add on a stipulation unless you're going to have a second contract signing. I mean, it's wrestling, and so they can make this all mat- matter even less. But I have a real problem with the idea that 
We're doing this contract signing now, and how are we going to bring it back around? I'm intrigued in the match. I'm interested in seeing what AJ and Seth can bring to the table, but Mm -hmm. the thing I've been conditioned to expect now with AJ Styles matches is they're always just going to be a little bit less than I want them to be because they just don't ask him to do that sort of work in the ring. The Nakamura matches being a good example. The Nakamura matches really desensitized me a little bit. Um, I, I just didn't find the dialogue that interesting either. You know? Oh, no, no. Actually, the worst part of the dialogue was when AJ finally pointed to the shirt after being called old in roundabout ways by Seth Rollins for a very long time and was like, you see this shirt? This shirt is the shirt of a guy approaching the age of 40. Never rest, never rust. I just looked that up in the So You're Approaching 40 book. It's on my T-shirt. I'm not old. What? Yeah, I I still I still cringe at them trying to work in the Georgia Bulldog stuff. I just I don't understand why they have such a There's just, yeah, there's a bunch of, of problems. I I don't think you actually need to stress AJ's age because I don't generally think he shows his age like that. I think he's a few years younger than he looks. Someone he in the commentariat, is. a couple of very prominent people in the commentariat decided that that they go, "Man, this is the first time I looked at him and AJ looked old." And I think someone Someone caught wind of that. I, 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 I think maybe this is going to be... God, they're going to do an old person storyline, and they never do those well either. I hope that they drop that part of it quick. Yeah, it's just utterly unnecessary with him, because he still moves young. Like I, The real reason you would say he looks old is not because his face is weathering. This happens to all of us. But it's because he can't really move like he used to be able to move. And he hasn't lost a step since he's been in this company. Um, he might not quite be at New Japan level, AJ, but insofar as there's been a decline, I think part of it has been nicely masked by the fact that he's just being asked to do less in the ring, too. And he looks still very much in substance like AJ Styles. So I, I think the whole AJ looks old thing is really a lost at sea sort of thinking. Uh, Chris, fat don't crack. So if AJ Styles gains 40 pounds, uh, he, he won't look old anymore. Okay. I, I, I hadn't heard that. Is that a new one? Oh, the kids these days are saying that? Uh, let's put it this way. I just had a birthday yesterday, so I'm... Jeff, we all love you. I don't look that much older than I used to. That's the weird thing. Um, But that's also because I'm a heavy person. Uh, On to SmackDown. <laughs> This was another beginning that that just knocked me for a loop, and, and I had a couple of dis- people dissenting in my Twitter mentions, but... Okay, Kevin Owens last week, to end the show, kicked Kofi Kingston in the face and stomped on his head. So now we have Kofi Kingston to start the show coming out to Michael Cole to do a member berries promo, where it's like, Hey, remember when you won at WrestleMania? I thought this was a giant concession to the fact that Kofi Kingston is not fully attached to this audience. And what they needed to do is this, remember the time, member berries, as you were saying, segment to remind us that we are supposed to love Kofi Kingston because it's not autonomic. It's not actually in our biology. It's a thing that's had to have been taught. But for some reason, I could not get past the disconnect between him being Oh man, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here. 
and then having to turn on a dime with the whole uh with the whole heel turn. I was just like, no, he should be coming out seething that Kevin Owens kicked him in the face. It stood in dissonance to the story that WWE was trying to tell later on in the night, which I thought was actually interesting, but it's not the story they've been telling, which is that Kevin Owens did an inside job. That yeah. the whole thing was to be a wolf in the sheep's den, to come in, hang out with the New Day, a wolf in the unicorn's den, to come in, hang out with Xavier and hang out with Kofi and be their new best friend because Big E is injured. But again, to that point, you need to stretch it out for more than just a week. That was my whole point on that story. But now it seems like that's the story they've decided that they've been telling the whole time, which is not the story they've been telling the whole time. It's really more just that Kevin Owens decided that he wanted the belt and couldn't really hack it as a New Day guy. And almost this implication that these New Day guys are a little bit annoying. They're just a little bit abrasive with all the pancake eating and everything. Yeah, I, I I was, and I'll give some spoilers for the second part of this segment, but I thought when he kicked Xavier, and then when it returned to the KO show and Kofi came out, I thought that was possibly going to be the separation from the New Day gimmick, and they didn't. That's what I was hoping for, too. When he came out, he took off the shirt, there was no music, I was like, yes, yeah. take off the arm sleeves. Take off the arm sleeves, Kofi. Enter adulthood. Mm -hmm. Come into the light, my boy. Be the champion you can be. And then he came down at the end of the show. They're playing that damn New Day song again. And I'm just like, oh, no, he needs the break. I like the idea of Owen shearing away Xavier Woods from Kofi. I like the idea of Kofi realizing he has to stand on his own two feet. I almost want him to have a little mental break. Mm -hmm. I want him to just sort of Get angry. The thing that the New Day was never supposed to be about. It was also always supposed to be about positivity. But this is righteous anger. It's Kofi realizing that there is a healthy time and place sometimes. Not all the time. Most times, no. But there is a time sometimes to be angry. Especially when someone's trying to hurt your friends. And, and like, there's this, this there's an opportunity to teach or for Kofi to learn the lessons of being a champion, world champion, which would be a very interesting story. And I am still not convinced that's the story we're getting. So, Becky Lynch defeats Bailey after Bailey is announced as the first person from SmackDown on the Money in the Bank ladder match. The worst match. part was the instant tap that Bailey did. I, I Most of the match I didn't have a problem with. I loved I the match. I, I don't know why we had to beat Bailey. Right, no, it was a good it was a good TV match. It was a refreshingly good TV women's singles match not, in, in a time where women's singles matches on TV have been a little shaky. So that was great. I don't understand why we had Bailey insta-tapping, and I don't actually understand why we had to beat Bailey. I don't know why you couldn't do this finish with Charlotte coming out and just have her attack Bailey right and then start attacking Right before the Becky. tap. Why not just have Charlotte come right. out and attack right before the tap? But no, you had to beat Bailey, who is now possibly a world title contender after getting beat, which is insane to me in many, many ways. But yeah, I I, I watched that. I went, okay, she's going to tap here. And then Charlotte came in. And I went, okay, why didn't she come in 30 seconds ago? Did she miss right, a Right, yeah. I had no problem with Bailey tapping, but I do have a problem with Bailey tapping, I suppose, if you're just going to wipe that all away-ish. By having Charlotte come out. Yeah. Uh, Alistair Black cut a promo 
just another one of these uh, Raven-esque type things where, you know, you're People looking are always and... judging him on the way he looks, Jeff. Nobody's judging him on how he looks. Nobody. You don't see the eyes. I see the eyes. I see them. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I thought they were just kind of judging him as kind of being a bit too emo. They're looking eyes <laughs> with judgment in them. And they're everywhere, all of them. The abyss looks back with dark eyes. I'm like, no, abyss yeah, is yeah, no, no. This is, this is essentially a man trapped in Nietzsche's vortex, and you have nothing but disdain and scorn for him. And I am upset about that. Okay. Uh, the Hardy Boys relinquished the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Oh, my God. Jeff, this is actually very emotional for me because Jeff Hardy couldn't stand on his own two feet. I thought I saw something different on television. But he was so injured by what Lars Sullivan did that he had to come out on a crutch and tell us that he can't stand up and then was in the ring and then they gave up the titles and then he got ambushed. I, I'm I'm having a hard time wordsing because this, this is just a lot to process, Jeff. Well, for me, it, it's weird because they keep moving teams from SmackDown over to Raw. And right now, the only two teams you really have on this roster, well, you have three, because one will be coming up later, but you have Nakamura and Rusev, you have Heavy Machinery, and you have the B-Team. That's your that's pretty much your tag team division in SmackDown right now. I feel like Heavy Machinery is ending up with these titles, and they had an issue of, we don't know how to get these titles from the Hardy Boys to Heavy Machinery, and we don't want Heavy Machinery to beat the Hardy Boys because we don't think all that much about Heavy Machinery. Well, the Hardy... Well, Jeff is actually legit injured. But oh, Lars, he is actually legitimately injured, and yes. they're working that into the law. Yes. See, that, I mean, that's the one with the Lars Sullivan package. Yeah, he, he was he, so he, over the top that I didn't realize that Jeff's actually injured. Yeah, no, he, he got hurt on a house show. So Lars Sullivan comes out, continuing his gimmick, which I kind of dig as a legend killer. I always dig those kinds of... Uh, uh, I really things. liked the R Truth spot here. Yeah, R Truth is getting a little out, angrier. Yeah. Yes, I, I like that he's not backing down. I mean, he's still getting absolutely demolished by Lars Sullivan, but the fearlessness, the willing to go out there and get punched in the face, knowing full well you're probably going to get punched way worse, is very, very admirable for a babyface. And it's weird because it's like this fine line between stupid babyface syndrome and brave baby face syndrome. And R-Truth is firmly on the other side of the line right now. Squash match for Asuka and Kairi Sane. Perfectly fine with that. The Iconics were on commentary. They're taking away all of the charm of the Iconics by running, you gotta be joking me, into the ground. It is too much. It, the whole thing is too much to the point where Tom forgot to call this entire match and Graves was trying to remind Byron and Tom, hey, this is chaotic on the mic with the Iconics, but you need to still be doing your job. And the entire match passed with just Peyton and Billy screaming in Australian. I think Asuka and Kyrie Sane would make a great heel team if Paige were acting more like Gary Hart. But uh, <laughs> that's because you want more Gary Hart like figures in your wrestling. I do, and I want and I want Oscar and Kyrie to be Muda. That's all, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, oh boy. Oh, can we talk about real quickly how their new theme is just a musical abomination? 
it is like two people fighting over the car stereo. It, it, it's like a Broadway melody that's really messed up. I mean, I no, it's like it's beyond a medley because it keeps going back and forth. I, I, I like it's like one of those weird songs where it's like part one song and then part the other song. And for some reason, someone thought a musical composition would be neat if you switch from song A to song B back to song A back to song B. And it's not neat. It's you know jarring. what I want. I want Kyrie saying to be a little bit more serious and just keep Oscar's music and just have these two be basically the, the impending doom of your destruction, because that music to me means death. And I, I love Oscar's theme. Kyrie's theme is I'm going to play a pirate. And you're just gonna, okay, whatever. And she's getting closer to that. She was in color matching synchronous with Oscar. I liked that. But yeah, when they played the little hit of Kyrie's theme, okay, fine. Then we go Oscar and we go da, da, the whole da, rest of the way down. Da, 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 and, and Kyrie's into <laughs> it. She still does a few appeals to the wheel, but it's more badass version of that pirate. I want her, but yeah, I want her be Blackbeard. That, yes. you know, that's the yeah. pirate I want Kyrie saying to be. Lots of chop blocks. Like she, she wants to give people peg legs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, make make her an angry pirate rather than a playful pirate. Yeah. Um. So on the announced that uh, Finn Balor, uh, Ali, Andrade, and Randy Orton will represent SmackDown in the Men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Mandy Rose tells Sonya Deville that they would get an opportunity in the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, but only one of them, and Sonya Deville agreed to let Mandy have the spot, so she's going to be in there. I like, I like this. the characterization with Sonya going yeah. on here, and even the stuff with Mandy. These two have become more interesting to me. I, yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily going to translate to the ring, but backstage, they have a much more interesting dynamic than they did a month ago. I like, I just like tag team partners who are actually friends and actually do things for one another, even if they're heels. Yeah, see, okay, so that's where it's interesting. I think Sonya is doing it because she cares about Mandy, but I thought Mandy's flat, dead face, staring into the screen, eyes just wide open like she just worked over Sonya, I thought that was very telling. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're eventually going to split them apart. But uh... Yeah. For the third time. They've teased this a bunch of times, and every time they've teased it, it's always been good guy Sonya, bad guy uh, Mandy. Yeah, and Sonya to me is a more interesting character. That's the weird thing. Every time I watch one of these splits. Well, especially now that Ronda's gone, you actually have an opportunity to make her more interesting, too. Yeah. yeah. Ma Mandy is their cookie-cutter you know, guys want to be with me and women want to be me type character. I, I, I think she's getting better, but the characterization hasn't improved to me. Uh, sorry. Uh, Roman Reigns cuts a promo about punching Vince McMahon in the face. Shane O'Mac comes out for yet double duty on SmackDown, puts Roman into a handicap match with the B team, and Elias has a special ringside enforcer. There were so many odds. I, it was unbelievable how many odds that Roman was able to overcome. I didn't think he was going to be able to be not one, but two members of the B team. I was waiting that's for a that's I, crazy. I, I, next week, of course. I, I'm sure we'll get a special guest timekeeper, special guest ring announcer. It's it's the Attitude Era booking all over again with the authority uh, in the terms of Shane McMahon. Yeah, it's just very uninspired and you can already hear the boo birds are starting to return for Roman. You still have some Roman because I mean, you still see guys in the crowd 
wearing the Roman beat cancer t-shirts. They want to like this guy. But these stories, these stories are a meat grinder for anyone. Because if you're a diehard WWE fan, you've seen this for years. There's this guy, I don't know if you've heard of him, John Cena. He used to do these week in, week out. People got really tired of it, and they don't want that out of Roman Reigns. Well, the, I mean, they're they're going hard on the the greatest acquisition in the history of the superstar shakeup stuff. Um, I would have I would have repackaged the B team a bit here. I would have made them less goofy, make them a little bit more. I don't know why they still need the t shirts, right? They yeah. could be just dressed up in like a white shirt and slacks, almost like right to censor style without the cutoff shirt, uh, and come down there and be a much more formidable team it was very disjunctive for them to be these goofballs ish on the way to the ring yeah you can be goofballs when you're kind of normal you can be goofballs when you're baby faces when you're heels i want a little bit more menace out of you unless you're just totally delusional and i didn't see that coming out and i don't think they've i mean they weren't unmoored from reality like they were they're trying to do something rational they were trying to kiss shane mcmahon's ass to get ahead and get a better opportunity and make a good first impression and mcmahon basically came up to him and was like do you want to make a positive first impression on me and let's assume they're in this kayfabe reality and they saw what happened to greg hamilton you sort of don't <laughs> say no to shane mcmahon right now so they're out there they're rational actors man that shane mcmahon greg hamilton match is going to be something i'll tell you what I, when greg <laughs> hamilton no hold on hold on buddy when greg hamilton does the coast to coast on Shane McMahon with the trash can on Shane McMahon's face, you the look on your face will be ridiculous. When Greg Hamilton gets to do a pile driver, which hasn't been done in the WWE in, in years, I and will he mock yells out. best in the world as he does it to Shane McMahon, <laughs> and then he gives him a go to sleep and says, "I love you, punk." Um, Finn Balor and Ali defeat Andrade and Randy Orton. Someone had to lose. It was Andrade. This is why I don't like this these types of builds. Don't beat anybody going into your money in the bank, and you have six guys who you go, I wonder who's going to win the title, as opposed to, all right, who who didn't get 50-50 the, the most? Um, and I, like I thought it was a very questionable choice to have Andrade carry so much of that down to the ring promo. That oh. really should be Zelina Vega's job, especially if, they decide to put the money in the bank briefcase on Andrade. We really need to start establishing Zelina, her character, her speaking for Andrade. Andrade says about as many words as Rick Rude said to Bobby Heenan. Well, you know, if he wants to prove himself, he has to put promos in English, which is a ridiculous thing this company does because he could very well do a promo in Spanish and I'd understand it. And I don't know who Fimbolo is, but that guy is going to get his butt kicked. <laughs> yeah, no, um, Orton hits an RKO on Balor after the match, and Ali super kicks him twice in the face to uh, then stare at the briefcase in the sky for a bit. Carmella and Ember Moon are your final two entrants in the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, kind of interesting. I had an off-the-wall pick for number eight instead of Carmella. I thought this would work. They're, they might introduce Liv Morgan to the roster. Um, I don't think Carmella needs to be in this match necessarily, but, uh, you know, I'm interested to see Ember Moon uh, doing a clips off the ladder onto somebody. I'm, I'm down for that. I, I think she's great, and they've squandered her. But uh, Ember Moon and Bailey are probably going to be your two workhorses in this match. 
Yeah, I think that's about right. I don't think Carmelo or Ember Moon are real strong, likely winners of the Money in the Bank briefcase. So I yeah, think I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about. I'm, I'm, I'm Mandy. I'm, honestly, is one that I can kind of see, and I can kind of see the Sonya Mandy story being told through the context of the Money in the Bank briefcase. Well, I'm trying to figure out what show they want Becky on full time. I don't think this two belting is going very far. So I'm thinking. Yeah, it's not lighting the world on fire, is it? Well, it, it's not that. It, it, it's that it's a little much to have her be the main person on both shows and stay fresh and relevant and, and be able to defend both belts. So I think she defends the belt against Lacey, maybe loses against Charlotte, but maybe squeaks it out. But either way, whoever wins that money, women's Money in the Bank match then, then cashes in. I think in. we're going to get a cash-in right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, no, I, no, the one thing that made me cynical about that is that Corey Graves actually teased that potentiality tonight on commentary. And I just thought that if you're going to do that move, you never actually utter those words into the air yet. Yeah, and, and that's 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 a good point. So that probably means we're wrong. And then we had the Kevin Owens, uh, Xavier Woods KO show. This felt like it died a death to me, especially the action figure thing. I don't think the audience was... Uh, getting too heated they didn't about have it. any material for the action figures the action figures i guess it wasn't going to be a great prop but like you know i grew up watching macho man take a coffee creamer from backstage and turn it into one of the great promos of all time so when he pulls out the woods action figure i'm like not great also the face on woods does not look particularly like woods but i'm willing to go with you on this what is the material you have with it and the answer was none none material they did not have any material and it was just like these really lame jokes it, it reminded me of um uh, this is many moons ago jeff you might remember this clint eastwood once gave a speech to an empty chair uh, and that that was kind of the vibe i was getting during this i quite enjoyed that speech um <laughs> Uh yeah no I th- I got that vibe too I just I just didn't think the audience was going along with it they're waiting for somebody to come out then Kofi comes out and beats on him and I liked I liked it but again with the New Day branding it kind of uh I I was just like oh it's New Day Kofi I I kind of wanted a little bit more ad- like you said adult Kofi I thought that would have been a good idea and we I- were so close to having that shedding of the colors in a meaningful. Moment. Like, they were so close to making a magic moment of Kofi becomes whatever this Kofi as champion character was going to be. They were right there. And, and they, they kind of had planted all the seeds. And, and at the end of it, it's no growth. And it's the, as you said, it's we kill a character last week and they're back again this week to help try to solve the mystery. It's the no growth thing and the no loss thing and the no stakes thing. That makes it hard to latch on to anything. Not appearing on this week's television, uh, Bobby Roode, after getting the big win on Ricochet and being repackaged. Buddy Murphy, not on, after having vignettes saying, you know, he's coming to SmackDown Live to prove everybody. Um, yeah, so they're uh, they're doing their usual fumbling with the people that they uh, repackaged. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm... Uh, yeah, and then I watched the uh, Nigel McGuinness uh, thing because I had never seen that before—the one on the network about uh, about his career and getting to WWE. That was really, really well done. I liked it a lot. 
Oh, I'll have to pop that on later. I am without computer, but I do have Xbox, so I can still get it's on an hour. WWE. It's yeah, an easy yeah, hour yeah. to watch, and Nigel's sure, a good totally. enough guy, and he seems happy, I'm, I'm so... Good. Yeah, I like all this. I, I like the bio stuff. I, I, I'm into these people's lives behind the scenes a little bit, and like what gets people into the dance and stuff. It's it's interesting to see their stories. You can follow me at CrapGame13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino, even though he may not be able to follow you back until he gets a computer. Well, uh, you I can, can f- follow you on Twitter. You can tweet, I, I can send 180 characters. Chris doesn't know how to I use can... a phone. You don't know how to no, use a phone. No, let me tell you what. I, so I used to just think I hate text messaging, and, and, and I do. But I think what it really is, Jeff, is I hate typing stuff on phones. And I did not realize until, like, today how much I have end run around, like, like when you text me. I, like, will text you from my computer. Um, and I like have like the messenger thing and I do it on there and Twitter, same thing. Odds are you're probably getting me behind a keyboard if I'm responding back to you because I hate typing anything on my phone at all. So this is really hell, Jeff. And, and everyone should weep for me and appreciate the suffering that I go through on, not just today and not just this week, but really just on a daily basis being Christopher Marino. It's hard and I'm tired. Chris often yells at clouds on his Twitter, um, Only shaking his fist. <laughs> you can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes, where we review generally wrestling from our use that really gets us geeked out. Uh, highly recommend the Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman breakdown that we do on there. For as little as a buck a month, you get that. Uh, usually two show, extra shows a month. And uh, we'll be back on Thursday night with the NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live wrap-up Hoobajoob. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.